Amen. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. That was lame. Merry Christmas. Okay, thank you. If you are visiting in town with your family, I'm Derek. I'm uh, one of the pastors here, and we're glad that you're with us. Uh, this is the gift-buying season. I, I did some research, and in fact, 30 to 40% of all retail sales happen between Black Friday and Christmas. Kind of amazing. So here's a question. Raise your hand if you're done Christmas shopping. Okay, good, because tomorrow's Christmas Eve. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're not done. Oh, my goodness. It's mostly men. Okay. <laughs> Ladies, if you're worried he's not done shopping, raise your hand. <laughs> Good job not raising your hand, putting them on the spot. Some of you wanted to. Uh, this is the time of gift giving, the time of purchasing, and we are in the middle of our series, The Gifts of Christmas. We're going to complete it tomorrow, Christmas Eve, so come. It's going to be a fun service. But I wanted to ask you, think about the best gift you've ever received. Maybe when you were a kid, the best gift you ever received, and somebody tell me, what was the best gift you ever received? What was the best gift you ever received? My wife. Your wife? Well, that's a good gift. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> somebody else, what's the best gift you ever received? Uh, Lego Star Wars Destroyer. You got a Lego Star Wars Destroyer? Yeah. When? Uh, a couple years ago. A couple years ago? Do you still play with it? No. No? <laughs> How, how long did you play with the Lego Star Wars Destroyer? Till I was done with Legos. Till you were done with Legos, so a year? Yeah. Yeah, so, so you were interested in your best one ever. It was fun for a year. Yeah. All right, cool. Anybody else? Best gift you ever received? Right there. Ooh, Levi. Your iPhone. You got that this morning. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so your iPhone that you got this morning is still pretty darn exciting, huh? Yeah. So one of the best, I remember when I was a kid, sixth grade, I think, somewhere around there, I got a skateboard. Bright orange, uh, black, like skid tape on it. It looked so cool. And I remember the sound that it made going across the tile. I remember the wall where I took a chunk out by running into the wall. And it was really cool for a little while until I went out in public and all the other kids had cool skateboards. So if you remember, this is early 90s. The cool skateboards had it up on either side, and, you know, that was the cool skateboard that the cool kids had. Mine had a flip up on one side, and it was shaped like a spoon. And so I'd go out with all the cool kids with my skateboard, and they'd be like, what's that? I'm like, it's a skateboard. They're like, no, it's not. <laughs> anyway, it, it faded. The color got, got, you know, light and flaky, and eventually it was no good anymore. That's kind of how this whole gift-giving thing happens. We get a gift, it's awesome, and then it's not as awesome. Uh, it only lasts a little while, like a new car. We, we got a car, it, wasn't, it was new to us, but an updated car a couple years ago, and it was so cool because you can push the button to open the top or the back. Like, you don't even have to pull, you can push the button or you can double push and open the doors. There's a backup camera that took weeks to actually trust it. And all that stuff for a while, it's like, watch this. I, you know, or we're walking up and let me get your door. <laughs> well, now, two years later, like all that stuff is not quite as, it's still kind of cool. Like we came out of the movies yesterday and I opened all the doors. Anyway, but it only lasts so long. So this, this series we're in, the gifts of Christmas. Last week, we looked at the gift of the son, the gift of Jesus. And today we're going to look at the gospel, uh, the gift of our salvation. And I wanted to start with this question. 
has the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of your salvation lost its shine? Is it a gift you received when you were a kid and now it's just, yeah, we go to church. Yeah, we go on Christmas and sometimes Easter. Those are called Christers. Um, has, it, has it lost the excitement that you had at the beginning? And I want to talk about that a little bit today. I want to look at our salvation because the gospel that saved you the gospel that saves us is the same gospel that sustains us. We have this bad habit in the church, and I'm looking in the mirror, of in periods of our life, we, we get saved, and then we move past it. Oh, the cross, we got that. We needed that at the beginning. We remember what Jesus said. Yeah, he was born to a virgin. Yeah, he, he died on the cross. Yeah, he rose from the dead. And then we want to get into deeper things. Well, we never move past that. Has it, has it lost its, its glitter? Has, has the paint started to chip? On your salvation. We're going to be in Ephesians. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, please. And we're going to look at our salvation. Now, if you get a new car, what, what makes the new car really stand out? Oh, this, yeah, that's true. New car smell, which doesn't last very long. But it's really cool when you compare it to your old car, right? Your new car compared to your old car. That's where it really stands out. And so that's what we're going to start with. Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians, is going to talk about who we were before Jesus. Before he talks about how awesome our salvation is, he's going to look at the old car, the old self, the old person, before they're saved. And we need to see this to really appreciate our salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is the condition of every single human being ever born before Jesus. Without Jesus, every human is dead in their sin. We talked about this some last week. We were born dead. We were born sinners, except last week we looked at the gift of the Son. Jesus is the only one that was not born a sinner because he did not have an earthly father. He has a heavenly father. The 100% God, 100% man, God-man was sinless. But everybody else since Adam and Eve have been born in sin because Adam sinned and Eve sinned. And because we chose to sin. And so that's our condition, dead spiritually. It says here that in verse 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That idea of trespasses is a, is a direct disobedience of a command of God. So he's the greatest command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you have ever loved yourself more than God, you're guilty. The idea of sins, that means missing the mark. So maybe, maybe you say, you know, I've never murdered anybody. I've never stole. I've never lied. If you're a liar, if you say you've never lied, probably. Uh, but, but you could say, you know, I've never done those things. Well, then sin, he says you're dead in your trespasses and sin. Sin very literally means missing the mark. It's the idea of you have a target, and I like the idea of a bow and arrow. You have a target, and you're shooting at it, and it just falls short. You just can't quite get there. And that's the idea that God's standard for us is so great, we can't live up to it. We can try, 
You know, you may not be in direct violation, you think, at the moment of all these trespasses, but you're not living up to God's standard, which means you're missing the mark. That is sin, and we do this in many ways. So we are dead in our trespasses and sins. That's the human condition. Here's the big story. If you've, this is your first time in church, here's the big story of humanity. We are born dead in our sins. When Adam and Eve sinned, all creation was, was broken at that moment. And relationships between us and God are broken. What we were made for, Jesus said eternal life is that you know Jesus Christ and the Father. We are made to know him. The greatest commandment is that you love him. In the Old Testament, we see elsewhere we are created for his glory. So everything about you and me is made to connect with God, to be in relationship with God, to love God, to serve him forever. But guess what? We, don't, we tend not to do that. <laughs> we have kind of this bent toward other things. That's called sin. That's our condition. Now, somebody dead. Think about somebody dead. What ability do they have to not be dead? What can they do to stop being dead? Nothing. Nothing. Every human is born helpless and hopeless because of sin. Helpless and hopeless. Again, it's not just because we're born in it. Look at verse 2. It says, in which you once walked. This is the way you used to live. Even if maybe you came to know Jesus as a four-year-old, well, before that, you still walked in it. And, and after that, you've probably had periods of walking in sin. Now, if you truly were saved by Jesus, your sin is covered by his blood. But we had this tendency before Jesus to go the way of the world. If you look here in verses two and three, it gives us the three sources of evil. The three sources of sin. And the first one is the world. You see that in verse 2. Following the course of the world. Do you know that the world is actually set against God? Everything going on in the world right now is really against God. Everything about it, our society, our culture, everything that's popular is trying to draw us away from God. Now you can look back in periods of history where you say, well, Christianity was dominant in periods of history. But you look through and you, you even see that the ways then often the church itself was worldly and pulling and distorted. So the way of the world is really always contrary to God. And it goes on in verse 2, following the prince of the power of the air. The spiritual world is very real. Satan is very real. He is a fallen angel. He is the enemy of God and the enemy of human flourishing. He hates you. He hates me. He hates God. That is the prince of the power of the air, and he has great influence on this world. So the evil one, is drawing us away. The world is trying to draw us away. And there's one other thing you see in verse three. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. The world, now the flesh and the devil, the flesh is our bodies and our minds. This fallen sinful being that I am that has this tendency to go away from God. Maybe you've, you've sung those songs, you know, uh, ten, Lord, I wander, something like that. I tend to wander. I like that song because like, I relate to that. I, I, my flesh wants to wander away from God. But yet my spirit, now united to God, I want God, but I have this tendency. That's our flesh. And before Jesus, it says you lived in the passions of your flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That was our condition before Jesus Christ. Now, if you're in here and you're saved, praise God, there is no room for pride. Maybe you've met proud Christians, oh, look how holy I am. As you read these verses, there's no room for pride for a Christian because you once walked 
just like the others. You once lived that way by choice. You lived that way. And being dead, well, you're dead. So, Addison, can you please come help me? I asked Addison beforehand. She's going to be my volunteer. She's going to be dead. Okay, come here, Addison. Right up here. Let me lift you up. All right, lay down. Okay. You're dead, okay? You're, de Shh, you're dead. Okay. Addison. Hey, don't, don't slide up. Hey, dead people don't move. Don't move. All right. Addison is dead. This is our condition. But dead people don't smile. Okay. This is our condition before Jesus, dead. Addison, can you stop being dead for a minute? Can you be alive? No, you can't because you're dead. Could a dead person stop being dead? No, they're dead. They're dead. Now, Addison, are you hungry? Would you love a Snickers? She can't even, dead people don't even respond. She, she can't want a Snickers because, well, she's dead. Can you go do something good? No, she's, she's dead. This is the condition of every human being ever born dead in the trespasses and sins. But look back at Ephesians, if you would. Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, like Addison, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So, what's the fact of these verses? Remember John 3, 16, we looked at that last week. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So what happens? The dead person is dead. That's all of us born dead spiritually. We can't do anything about it. But God, while we were still in our sin, is able to make us alive. So I'm not God, but I'm going I'm to play the part. So, hey, you get to be alive now. Hey, you're alive. So... God can raise us from the dead, and we're going to put you right here alive. Good? So now, are you hungry? Okay, now you can feel things. Now you can smile. You can do all kinds of things now because you're alive. Salvation, you see here, is a free gift that gives life to the dead. Look back at Ephesians. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so no one may boast. Again, salvation is a free gift that gives life to the dead. What is central to a gift being free? It costs you nothing. That's central to a gift being free. It costs you nothing. So, Addison, dead in her sin, was made alive. What did she do to earn that? Nothing. Nothing. God chose to raise his son from the dead to give life to those who would be his, to those who would believe in him. Salvation is a free gift. So we're talking about this, this word gospel. The word gospel literally means good news. Uh, you were, heard the term evangelism. Or evangel, it's the same word really in Greek, the good news. And that word was used referring to the good news of a coming king. A lot of times it would be a messenger coming 
in front saying, hey, the king is coming, the king is coming. That's the gospel. So the Christian church, Jesus himself took that word gospel that you see in the Old Testament too and pointed to him that the gospel is the good news of Jesus, the son of God, the coming king who would free us from our sins. That's the good news. The good news, the bad news is we're born dead in our sin. The good news is God took care of it to all who would believe. But is that the end? So a lot of times we think that this is the end. Look, she's alive. She's happy. She's smiley. She's really good at basketball now that she's alive. You are. She steals it really well. You're alive. She can do all kinds of things now that she's alive. Because, look at verse 5 here. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. So the question is, what are we saved from and what are we saved for? We are saved from the penalty for sin. We are saved from the penalty for sin. So, I don't have it here, but, but basically you're raised to life and now I'm going to give you, here, here it is. This is a ticket. This is a ticket and it's a, it's a get into heaven free card. Okay, so take this ticket. Now just show that to Peter when you get to the pearly gates. Yeah long time for you. But when you get there, you show them the ticket. So you're saved, you're, you're, you're brought to life, and you're given the ticket to heaven. The fire insurance card. Hell is a very real place. There's only two eternal destinations, heaven or hell. Well, Addison, because she chose Jesus, now gets to go to heaven. But is that the end? And here's what I wanted to focus on today. A lot of times we stop there. We stop there, and then we continue with life going, yes, I'm saved. And we still struggle with sin. We still struggle with depression. We still struggle with stress. And, and some of that is unavoidable. But, but part of the, the Christian life, as we'll see, is, is walking in a way that we can handle those things with the power of the Holy Spirit. But is that it? Just, just saved. Here's what's cool. God is not just merciful. Mercy means withholding what is due. We deserve eternal punishment for our sin. We, that's what we deserve. We are not going to get it. That's called mercy. But God is not just merciful, he's also gracious. Grace means giving gifts you don't deserve. So here, we look at these verses and we see not only are we raised, but look at verse 6. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. He seated us with him. That means we're not just brought to life to live, but we're put in relationship with him. We're given a really good gift. So here's, here's the gift. That's, now you're seated with Christ. You have this really cool, close relationship with Jesus. Do you know that? That's pretty cool. We are adopted into his family. We're not just saved. Why are we called Christians? By the way, that word Christian was slang. It wasn't a positive term for a while. And then the Christians went, well, yeah, that's exactly who we are. Christ, we got a new name. We're adopted. We get to take his name, Christian. So you are adopted. Here, here's another gift. You are adopted into his family. So it's pretty cool. Raised, alive, going to heaven, got the ticket. But now all these other gifts are being poured out to us. In Romans 8, 17, it says, and if we are children, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. Heirs. That means that everything that Jesus gets from the Father, we get. 
Do you realize that? When you were saved, it's, it's the great switch. All the things we deserve, we don't get because Jesus took those things. Death, separation from God, punishment, and then all the things that Jesus deserves, we get. We are co-heirs. So here's another. Now, you're also a co-heir. I'm not sure if you're going to have room for all these gifts. You're a co-heir with Jesus. We can't even start to fathom what that means. Everything that's Jesus belongs to Jesus, belongs to us for eternity. And verse 7, look at this. So that, he does all this, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He might show us the immeasurable riches. Immeasurable. Here's another one. I don't even know what this one is. They're immeasurable. There's some more gifts. Here we go. Good. Here. Immeasurable. There's so much. Here. Here, here, let's put, here we go. There we go. Do you have any more room? Okay. Addison, thank you. You can go have a seat now. No, really, you can. Do you need help? We might have to collect some of this later. Can you carry that? Here we go. Yes, give Addison a hand. Here you go, you can hold that for her. We paint that picture to show this is our life in Christ. We're celebrating Christmas that God sent his son, which is awesome. We remember that Jesus came, the God-man, to pay the penalty for our sin, but it doesn't end there. That's just the beginning. It's just the taste. When you first give your life to Christ, that's the taste of the great meal that is to come. God has so much to give us. Now look at verses 8 and 9 again. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one can boast. It is a gift of God. Again, what did we say? What, what, what's a free gift? What's it cost? Nothing. Do you have a tendency to not believe that? I mean, let's be totally honest. Is that one where you believed it once or maybe you go in and out, you actually believe that your, your works have something to do with it? Do you actually believe that now that you're saved, you have to live up to it or you'll fall away? Here it, it says that for by grace you've been saved through faith. We have a tendency in the church to think that God provides the grace, the mercy, the sacrifice of Jesus, and we provide the faith. So we have to muster up the faith. But really, as you look here, God gives all of it. He even gives the faith. Because we're dead, we can't do any of it. That should fill us with awe. (laughs) That should fill us with joy. That should fill us with confidence. Because if you had nothing to do with your salvation, guess what? You can't lose it. If he gave it and he handles it, you can't lose it because he's got it under control. It is a free gift that costs you nothing. No religion. You don't need to do any of that. Now, let's be totally honest. We're going to look at this a little bit more tomorrow. Once you're saved and you receive all those gifts, I mean, look at Addison holding these armloads of gifts. That's us. What is the natural response when we know who we are in Jesus? We know all that we have. The natural response is then to give ourselves back to him. That's what happens, is that then we give our lives back to Jesus in response. Not to get, it's not a salvation of works, but it's a salvation 
unto works. Now we want to do good things. We want to serve him because we love him. That's the way this natural progression works. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never given your life to him, then you are, as these verses described before, still enslaved to the world. You may feel free, but let me tell you, you're not free. You're not free to be all that God has for you. And this is not condescension. Because we look here, any of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, it wasn't up to us. So, so we get no credit for that. We don't get to boast. So, so don't, don't think I'm talking down to you, but this is an invitation. Jesus let you come here today to hear this, to say today might be the day where you get to get that ticket, that get out of jail free card. And then after that, he's just going to pour on the other gifts. Whether you like it or not, whether you deserve it or not, he's got all these gifts to give you. So now those of us who have been believers for a little while, has this truth lost the power to impress? Have you moved past these gifts? Have you gotten tired of it? Again, it's the same gospel that saves us as sustains us. The idea that we were helpless and hopeless, but now we're not anymore, that's true. But apart from Jesus, we're still helpless and hopeless. Every minute of every day, we need Jesus. We need the power that comes through the Holy Spirit that is given only because of what Jesus did on the cross. We never move past the simplicity of the gospel ever, ever, ever. How quickly do we upgrade things like cars, iPhones? You know, Levi, that iPhone you got this morning in a year, totally obsolete. I mean, I remember when iPhones first came out, and it was kind of the coolest thing in the world because you could take pictures. Podcasts changed my world. But those first ones, they were kind of small. You know, you can, now we've got these giant ones, and, and you can uh, FaceTime. You know, you can talk like, like Star Trek stuff. I mean, things are going to continue to progress, but the gospel itself is what it is, and it is the power of life. Anybody in here have a car? And does it have a gas gauge? We're not going to have a show of hands, but who's run out of gas? Brooke. I said you don't have to show your hand. Now we all know Brooke has run out of gas. Well, here's the thing about cars. They put this thing on there. It's called a gas gauge, and it's a little needle. And the F means full, and the E means empty. And when it goes to E, you need gas, or you're going to be stuck on the side of the road. Now, newer cars, some of them have not only the gas gauge, but a light that comes on. Low fuel, ours has that. And actually, it's really big on the screen, like low fuel. Others, they even show you how many miles you have left before you're dead on the side of the road. 10 miles left, 8 miles left. Some have a ding. Bing, you need gas. By the way, you need gas. So really, we have no excuse to run out of gas, although I've run out of gas, Brooke, it's not just you. In fact, I run out of gas whenever my wife runs out of gas and I get irritated by it, I run out of gas within a week or two. <laughs> That's the way God works. But here's, here's my question for you. Is your spiritual gas gauge on E? Are you spiritually running on fumes? Your life is busy. You've got stress going on. There's pain. Maybe there's sickness. Maybe there's sin and others in your life that are just pulling you down. Do you feel like your spiritual life is running on fumes? Like you're, get, you're, you're breathing through a straw. If you know that picture, maybe you've been snorkeling and got water in it. Do you feel like you're just starving? You're, you're running on empty. Before you are stuck on the side of the road, you got to go fill your tank. 
And listen, there is only one thing that can fill our tank, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only thing, the only person that can fill our tank, and he has made it all available to us. His gracious gifts are poured out. All we have to do is receive them. This is your last note. It says, does the gospel continue to give you life, or have you stopped appreciating Jesus and the cross? The same gospel that saved us continues to sustain us. Enjoy all God has for you after salvation by living a life of abiding in Jesus. That's where we go. If you are spiritually starving because you don't know Jesus, hey, put some Jesus in your tank today. Give your life to him. We're going to have people available in the back to pray. If you are saved, but you're just spiritually running on fumes, we need to move toward abiding. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. The idea of abiding is that we now live in constant dependence on Jesus for everything. Part of abiding is spending time in our word, absolutely, in his word. Part of abiding is prayer, absolutely. Part of abiding is coming to church and, and doing these. This is all part of it. But it's even more. It's minute by minute being dependent on Jesus. That's abiding. And he will fill you. Abiding is when that temptation arises. You look at that and you go, Jesus, I need help. Help, help, help. <laughs> Before you take a second thought about this temptation, you get on your knees, you stop. Maybe you pull over if you're in the car and go, help, I need you, Jesus. I need the truth of what you've done for me. Give me, give me now, please. That's abiding. Constant dependence on him at all times. And it's available because God is gracious. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you overflow your gifts to us. God, as I, as I read these verses, I can't even fathom what all these gifts are. I don't even know what all these gifts are. But the ones that we do know bring us to our knees. They are so humbling. God, that while we were still in sin, you died for us. While we were still your enemies, you chose us. And then you pour these gifts on that we don't deserve. Your grace, your mercy. You give us your Holy Spirit to live in us. You give us hope. You give us confidence. You give us security because of you. We thank you. Lord Jesus, I pray that if anybody in here has not surrendered to you as Lord, that they would do that today. I pray, Lord, that if anybody here in here is running on fumes, Holy Spirit, do the miraculous. Come into their life and just refresh them. Fill them with love and joy and peace for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're